Get ready for the Very Visible Business Podcast with David Averin. Each week featuring a candid and raucous conversation with some of the most innovative, outspoken, and entrepreneurial business minds in the world today. This is the Very Visible Business Podcast, and here's David Averin. And welcome again to the Very Visible Business Podcast. I'm David Averin, and I am uh, super stoked today. Can we say this is a nearly 55-year-old man stoked? to uh, be here with my, my buddy, my guest, John DeJulius, a pioneer, a revolutionary in the, in the field, in the category of customer experience. He doesn't just do it. He takes it to a level that is, is almost ridiculous. And, um, and there's some fun stories and some anecdotes that I want to share about what he does. But really, his, his finger on the pulse of, of how business is shifting, how we transcend commodity and doing it with customer experience, with, with a really extraordinary one that gives you something really, um, not only to differentiate yourself, but it gives people something to talk about. And as we like to say, if you want people to talk about you, give them something to talk about. So before I officially greet him, uh, a quick introduction. International consultant and best-selling author of three customer service books, including his latest book, The Customer Service Revolution, from Greenleaf instantly hit number one on Amazon. John works with world-class companies like Ritz-Carlton, Lexus, Starbucks, Nordstrom, heard of them, I've heard of those, um, Nestle, Marriott Hotels, PricewaterhouseCoopers, Cheesecake Factory, Progressive Insurance, Harley-Davidson, Chick-fil-A, and many, many more. He isn't just talking about it, he lives it, and I can attest to that as well as a very successful entrepreneur of two businesses, John Roberts Spa, which is a chain of upscale Cleveland locations, has been repeatedly named one of the top 20 salons in America, and the DeJulius Group, a consulting firm focused on challenging the world by creating a customer service revolution. He demonstrates how we can make our customer service our single biggest competitive advantage and ideally even making price irrelevant. John, thanks for being with us here today. Thank you, David. I'm so pumped. Very excited. And I'm I'm uh, almost 55, so it might just be, you know, our generation. I know it. And I do this for my kids. And I, for those listening, I'm just putting up my hands. I'm this many. There you go. It's a whole lot more than the kids who hold up. I'm six. But um, we're, the, we're the new 20. That's what I'm saying. I know, right? <laughs> so you're pumped. I'm stoked. Um, listen, I, I, have, I have admired you from afar, and I've, and I've been thrilled to, uh, to get to know you and to call you friend as well. I had the great opportunity last year to speak to your, um, your seminal event. I mean, this, this has become such a, a must-attend. Um, at the time, it was called the, the Secret Service Summit, and I think too many people um, misinterpreted that it had something to do with the Secret Service. My fiance, we had a conversation, and literally for six months leading up to this, she thought I was speaking for the Secret Service. And so she was kind of like, how do you, are you able to promote the fact that you spoke for them? And I'm like, what? And she says, for the Secret Service. I'm like, no, no, no. It's a customer service summit. But, but it was, so you could tell us a little bit about the genesis for that. But of course, now it's called Customer Service Revolution. It is the must attend and... For those of us in the speaking business, it's also the must um, present at. It is, it is Carnegie Hall uh, for speakers to be able to be in front of your audience. So tell me a little bit about your event and then uh, give us a sense of your background and what drove you from your experience in business to recognizing the real power and the value of, of an enhanced customer experience. Yeah, yeah. So the Secret Service Summit uh, or, or was the uh, title of my first book, Secret Service which was uh, all about customer service. And it's been our, 
It was the name of our conference for the first nine years. And the real reason we changed it is because the Secret Service actually called us and uh, asked us to. <laughs> they really? Flattering that we were, you know, on their radar. And uh, I said, well, well, can't you guys just change your name? And um, <laughs> they didn't seem to think that was too funny. So uh, we changed the conference. I think it's very funny. I think it's very funny. <laughs> I didn't mean it to be funny. I was dead serious. Like, right. you know, change your name, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, secret anyway. What's the what's what's the problem? Right, right. So, um, yeah. So, so uh, my my back. So it's a customer service revolution now. And you crushed it last year. You were, um, I think, if not the highest rated speaker. And and there was a pretty impressive lineup there of uh, great superstars. And you were the number one or, or top two. And I think to, I think, I, Mel Robbins was knocked it out of the park as well, but it was great. It was a great conference. Daniel Pink and Mel Robbins and, and Neen James and, and so many others. And then looking at the lineup this year, and I know I've taken you off the, the question I asked you about the, 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 uh, I don't remember the question you asked me, but the, the I, I got some of your friends. You recommended some speakers. Yeah. Eric, you Chester. Eric Chester and Mark Sanborn. Yeah. Judd Lapley, who's great. People know him from the, uh, the evolution of dance. Yeah. 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 And so there you have a stellar lineup. Um, and at the end of this podcast, we'll give you a chance to give your website and everything else. People can look that stuff up. And a lot of people will be listening to this post that yeah, event, but it's an event you do every year, but, but talk about your history in business and how you sort of grew to recognize the importance of that experience. Yeah, it was, it was basically survival. Um, 25 plus years ago, we, me and my wife opened up a very small 900 square foot hair salon with four chairs and uh, four employees. And um, we didn't have much of anything. We didn't have any employees. We didn't have any customers and we didn't have any money. And so uh, the only way, uh, you know, that I thought of that, you know, we could be different than literally you could throw, uh, if you had a weak arm, you could throw uh, a rock and hit, you know, five other salons, you know, uh, up and down our street. I mean, it was just loaded with hair salons. So how are we going to be different? I couldn't build a nicer place at the time than anyone else had. And, um, you know, we were, you know, had some good hairdressers, but uh, it, we wanted to be world-class customer experience, not, not world-class hair salon, but world-class uh, benchmark against any experience a, a guest could have that day after they left. And, and that was free uh, back then. And, and, and so uh, it started making a significant change. And uh, fast forward 25 years ago, that's still where we put all our, our, our time and energy. And we don't advertise, we don't market um, because uh, there's nothing that'll give you a better return on investment than, than the customer experience. So uh, try to go uh, at a, a quick level here. People started to take note in our industry, uh, the beauty industry, and, and so they asked me to speak. So I started speaking more for, you know, as an ego boost that someone actually wanted me to speak and talk about it. And then- uh, Were you talking specifically to the, to the health and beauty- Salons, salons, and gotcha. spa. And, uh, you know, so I was downstairs in the basement, hidden in a breakout room where I belonged. And right. then you had, you know, the, the, the big hitters on, on main stage, um, you know, the Tom Peters and back then Michael Gerber and, you know, the, the well-known. So I would wait in line with everyone else. And when I'd finally get up there, I'd say, you know, I'm a speaker too. And uh, they were great. They were very uh, nice. They took me seriously. They gave me advice. And so one of the advices was, 
you know, start write, you know, write a book. So um, Starter Secret Service came out in 2002, and that basically took me out of uh, being a salon owner that spoke a little bit to a speaker that owned salons. And then, you know, just, uh, it just took off from there and it's evolved to, uh, you know, 15 years later, 16 years later, it's evolved to a, uh, a consulting business. And we have a lot of consultants that are traveling and, and just working with some really good companies that um, quite honestly, we probably learn more from than, than we even teach them. No one bad hires us as you stated. Absolutely. I saw the list and listen, you're, you're being very modest and overly modest. Um, you have a phenomenal team. You work with some of the biggest organizations in the world to help them um, create those great customer experiences. Tell us a little bit about your process when you go in and work with them. So we have a methodology uh, that we have found that world-class customer service companies all have in common. So we call it our 10 commandments and it's you know, first you have to have a customer service vision statement. And then the second commandment is creating a world-class internal culture, it's attracting, keeping the right people, high morale. So it goes on from there. And that's what we do when we go in and work with a, a company, you know, from an engagement of six months to five years. And we just knock out that methodology and, and help them build it from, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the service vision statement, changing everyone's DNA and making sure that we're attracting uh, future generation employees that will believe in this and then creating the experience that is d a disruptive force, unlike anything that they've seen in the industry before. Right. Well, and the other thing is, and, and, I've, and I read your, your customer service revolution book and I thought it was sensational. And what I like was- You're the one? I, I'm the one, I know, I say the same thing to people. It's like, oh, you are the one, you and my mom. Um, no, but, but here's, here's what I really liked about it. It was, it was very enlightening for me because as you talk and, and I know you're being very good at trying to be sort of expediting. Yeah, we kind of do this process. No, you have a real heightened radar for sort of maddening behaviors that, um, that are really counterproductive for where they should be. I, I was thinking in, in your book, you tell a story about, um, about, uh, a place right next to, uh, an Apple store. Yeah. Tell, tell, tell our, our, our viewers and our listeners about that, because I think that illustrates probably as much as anything else, the crazy mindset, because yeah. we're a little bit myopic in our business, but tell, tell that story. Yeah, that's a great, I, I never tell this story, so I'm kind of glad. Uh, so I was at Apple, I'm a, 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 a recovering Apple addict, um, just got the new uh, uh, SX mask. I mean, I, I, did, mask. I did too yesterday, by the way. So the watch is coming. I am, you know, I have to have it first, which is the worst, you know, shopper you could be. But anyway, so I love my Apple. I was in there buying a computer, buying stuff that I was in there for a little while. And it was going to be a while before they, you know, got it all packaged up and maybe they were transferring, you know, old data onto my new one. Right. And also I had to go to the bathroom really bad. So I asked them if they had a bathroom. And today, Apple will let you. But back then, I don't think they had the security of, of allowing you to go in their back room and, and all that. So um, they said, no, we don't have one. Um, there's public restrooms, you know, way down. But right next door, you could use the, um, there's a little smoothie shop. I said, oh, great. So I ran in, ran to the bathroom, used it, came out, and uh, um, uh, went back in, closed up my order. And by that time, I was hungry. 
And, you know, so I went back with my order and went into the smoothie store and I, I ordered uh, a wrap and a smoothie. I said, is the, uh, the, uh, the uh, owner here? And they said, well, the franchisee. I said, yeah, yeah. So he came over and he thought, you know, I had a complaint. I said, I just want to thank you. I go, you know, this is great that you let, you know, uh, Apple customers come in here. And I was trying to tell him I wouldn't have known you exist. And he erupted me. He said, they told you you can come over here? And I said, well, yeah. And he goes, oh, my God, you know, I'm going to put a stop to that. Then I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. I go, this is why I came back and spent $11 and, you know, starving. And I didn't even know you existed. And, you know, he goes, well, you know, and so he was just irate, didn't get it, was mad, and totally didn't see it. And uh, it reminds me of another story. There is a, a, a little uh, a bank um, in, I don't know, southern Tennessee that put a, a free Coke dispenser in their, their lobby. Right. And people would just come in and take a Coke and, 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 and you know, go to the line. Well, then their managers would call the owner and say, hey, uh, there's people coming in and taking the Coke and running out. What should we do? Nothing. That's totally fine. And then, you know, they'd come in and take five bottles and run out. What should we do? Nothing. I want people to do that. He gave away so much Coke that the other gas stations were complaining that they were losing business. But he said he just became known for the, 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 the free Coke place. And it just drove him so much goodwill. And everyone knew of him because of that. Brilliant. And the only thing better than foot traffic outside your door is foot traffic inside your door. Right. right? Well, and Come I wrote, in. in. In my new book that this coming out, I wrote about this maddening policy. And I think, honestly, I think it's one of the cruelest policies in business where they don't let people don't let, they don't let anybody use their bathroom. I mean, it goes back to the one before. And I, and I thought about that with your scenario and, and I, and I found online, somebody had a great sign and I'm going to paraphrase this. I'm going to get it wrong, but it said, clearly this is a time of need for you. So <laughs> welcome to use our restroom. And while you're at it, um, feel free to, um, enjoy or, or buy a cup of coffee. We think it's the best in town. And I think it's so brilliant, but to tell people, no, you can't, it's only for paying customers. So how many people, how many people have bought some crap that they would never have bought before a pack of gum, a something just so they could use the restroom? Well, guess what? Now they use the restroom. They're never going to come back because you made me do something stupid as opposed to being human. My God, we're human beings. People need to use the restroom. And yeah, those of you listening or watching come up with a thousand reasons why it's a bad idea. And what if somebody is, is a transient or somebody isn't, you know, so what? Everybody deserves respect. I mean, it's, it's, they're crazy policies that we drive people away um, because we're just not friendly. I hate the word policy. Don't use it. Yeah. Don't use it. It's Extra, the true word. Right. Because, you know, David, as your customer for 10 years, five years, I know that you created policy to protect yourself from the masses. I'm not right. the masses. Right. I, I, I know David, I got to sell now, you know, and you're, you're, you're frontline employee. But worse yet is what it does to employees because an employee will never go against policy. Right. Policy black and white with walls. And yet there's sometimes when, you know, they, they should. And, you know, they, 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 we want our employees to use their best judgment and to feel empowered. And, to, you know, and, and I've had an, a, a horrible experience. My first business, the salons and spas, where we had a horrible policy 15 years ago, 20 years ago, that said 
um, if you didn't, if you no showed for your appointment, you got your credit card got charged. Okay, you know we're we're penalizing the two percent. Uh, right. You know, or, I'm sorry, we're penalizing the 98% for what we're afraid 2% will get away with. Well, and you're guaranteeing that they'll never come back. A guest calls me up, tells me that she no-showed on Saturday because her husband dropped dead. And that she told our manager and our manager said, sorry, that's our policy. And I was appalled. Oh but I also wasn't mad at our manager who still works for me. She's a rock star. But... She was under the impression, you don't go against policy. You could lose your job for policy. So now we have guidelines, no policy. Use your best judgment. You know, if you think, just do it. Do we, it. We, we hired these people for a reason. And when we rob them of the opportunity to be creative, to solve problems, and, and you and I, we, so both, empathy. we both understand why companies do it, but it is so counterproductive. Right, it's it's to it's to guard it's to guard against um, our colleague um, and friend Shep Hyken, who who is also in the space and wonderful speaker and author and, and great friend. He's got a great thing where he says um, that empower your people within your organization. He says nobody should ever have to get a manager to say yes. They should only get a manager if they if they have to say no. And and I love that. And then one of the things I, I love about you as well is is it's not. Um, even if sometimes, and I think we're on the same page about this as well, sometimes the answer is no. I mean, I've, I've heard people say the answer is always yes. What's the question? Sometimes it's not. I mean, we can't. But, but there's this thing, and I think I, I saw it in your book as well, um, is there's times you have to say no, but you can always follow, with, follow it with, let me tell you what I can do. Right. Right? Yep. What a monumental shift in thinking. There's so much we want to sort of shut that, or they want to shut it down. Sorry, we can't do that. Sorry, I can't give you a late checkout, right? You know, but I have this, whatever means, sorry, I can't. But those people say, well, let me tell you what I can do. We have a, a whatever suite that if you need to Absolutely. use. Absolutely, yeah. Right? yeah. That's simple alone. Because talk to me a little bit about your thoughts about the, the differences between customer service and customer experience. Well, Jim Gilmore said it best, uh, the author of The Experience Economy. He said, customer service is what you do. Customer experience is how you do it, right? And, you know, customer what service- they, And what they get. Right. right. Customer service is a transaction. Customer experience is a feeling. It, it, it's, it's an emotional uh, experience that, that, you know, you got to take it to a different place that no one else is doing. And that, that you know, can be as small as how we answer the phone. Right. Uh, thank you for calling ABC. This is John. Who do, who do I have the pleasure of speaking with? David Averett. So you give it to me. I start typing in and I pull up. Oh, David Averett. He's from Colorado. He's the last time he ordered with. And now I can start providing that secret service yep. is, you know, how, what's, what's the fall like in Colorado right now? And did you enjoy your, you know, nuts and bolts that you got last month? Are you calling to place a new order? Well, here's what's interesting. We, the people that we talk to, most companies think they have this down, the customer service, and they think it's fairly straightforward. Treat people like you want to be treated. Treat them like family. And that, I laugh about this when people say, you know, we, the whole idea is we treat them like family. It's like, I've seen how some of you treat your family. You know, not necessarily the, the best admonition, but, but customer service is kind of interesting. Um, and, and here's my thought. I'm, I'm curious as to your impression as well. It, is, it has become the point where that, they think it's just that interaction. Are we being friendly? And are we being friendly enough? And that, 
and the experience, and I want to talk, and I'm going to let our listeners and our viewers in on some of the, some of the things that I think that you do are so over the top that it just makes me smile huge. But customer services sort of come to mean in some organizations, the customer service department is the complaint department. I mean, they call that the, that's because, and, and somebody had written, um, whoever wrote the book, More, more is More, um, as a nice counter to less is more, and said, if you have to spend enough money to create an entire department to deal with the people who are unhappy, can we not reallocate those dollars to make them happy in the first place? Right? I mean, if you have to have an entire department just to deal with people who are annoyed or frustrated or pissed off, there's something fundamental wrong with your business, fundamentally wrong with your business model. And you're right, customer service is defense, customer experience is offense. And Great. that's Love your it. best marketing tool you have. And, and the, all the companies that we all know of, they spend the least on advertising because they right. have, you know, a, a, a raving fans that are doing it for them. Right. You're, well, it's funny, you look at some of the sort of the well-known examples, the Nordstrom's or others as well. Everybody knows you can take anything back at Nordstrom's, but isn't it ironic or interesting that Nordstrom never promotes the fact that you can take everything back? They never talk about their customer service. Right. But we, but we all know it. Never. Right. Right. They never have to because, because of that as well. So I want to sort of relate to others as well. Just my experience with you and this stuff. When I first became, you and I had had a great conversation on the phone. We had talked about me coming in and working with your organization. And what you modeled for me, the kind of work that you do with some of the biggest organizations and stretch their thinking and, and, and take off the blinders and open the radar to what opportunities, what a real experience looks like. One that is, that is worth sharing um, and talking about is when you and I had, had arranged I was going to come and speak for your, your Secret Service Summit, and then I got a package in the mail. And that package in the mail included um, Jeep socks, because somebody had looked online on my Facebook and realized that I'm a Jeep guy. And so I have socks, and one of them on the bottom says break, and the other one says gas, so they're pretty awesome. Um, I got a Northern Arizona University dad shirt because my daughter goes to Northern Arizona. And I'm thinking, who does this? Well, you do this, John. You and your team do this. And I saw this manifest even more so, and I'll, I'll share that in a minute, um, when we were, we were at your, your event. But take me through a little bit about some of the teaching and how you model and manifest that in your organization. What a really remarkable, and I say remarkable in the sense that it's worthy of being remarked about, and your experiences are worthy of being talked about. Tell me about your mindset and how you indoctrinate your staff to model what it is that you espouse. So it's just looking at every touch point, and it's also looking at all the, the multitude of customers we have, and, and whether it's the person in the cube next to you, um, your vendor that's supplying you with, you know, the, the widgets. So at a conference, typically people look at the attendees, the ones that are paying, uh, you know, a lot of money to be there. And, and they are a customer, but we understand that our, our speakers are our own customer. Uh, without them, there'd be no attendees that uh, would show up. And without them, we wouldn't have uh, future speakers that are referred like someone did for you and you did for someone that's speaking, uh, I believe Eric Chester this year. So we just look at, and, and so we create touch points. And from the moment that, you know, the, 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 we sign the, the contract with the speaker to the six to eight, eight months that are leading up to the event, to the actual event, to the post event. 
And, you know, how can we, you know, deliver, be brilliant at the basics, right? Make sure that, you know, you're not wondering what time you're on and, and, and where you're going and all that stuff. And, and you can't miss that because sometimes people could be really good at, at, at hitting the home run, but they, they, they flub the easy stuff. You can't, right. you can't flub the easy stuff. So you've got to be brilliant at the basics, but then look for the opportunities where you really can make that, you know, emotional connection. And as you pointed out, um, the second most important thing to people is, is themselves. Uh, the first most important thing is their family. And, you know, so when you make a connection about your daughter going to Northern Arizona, that's, that's, you know, that, that takes the whole relationship to a, a deeper level. So making well, sure that, you know. The fact that you, that you think about this, I mean, that's a cultural thing because I also asked you, because I'm going to tell everybody about another experience that I had with you and that I had to ask you about this because the best experiences are the best stories, this, the things that we share. Our lives are generally unremarkable. It's not that we're boring, but just it's very, we're very transactional in our lives, right? It's a lot of people we have to deal with on a particular day in the office, at the gas station, in the grocery store, but it's those remarkable, as, as Seth Godin talks about, right, in Purple Cow, right, is worthy of being remarked about. So your culture is, is beyond that, that you look for really extraordinary things. And so when I was at the summit this last year and every table, we had round tables and every table also had um, a concierge, which was one of your staff people from your salon. So you had these lovely ladies who were helping everybody and they basically go around the table saying, um, what do you need? Do you need anything? And so I make a joke. Now this is before I knew how ridiculous you were in business. Um, and I say that in the most complimentary way. And so I said, do you have everything you need? And I'm like, um, I needed, uh, was there not shrimp cocktail for, for something? And I just made some joke about it. Oh, that. you were the one. I was the one. No, sir. And I, if I had known, I wouldn't have done it because I felt bad because everybody just got water and saying, I'm like, did we not get, we're not, did we not have shrimp on our rider? Like <laughs> you know, as performers, you know, everything in our, in our, in our dressing room needs to be white. We need M&Ms with the brown ones taking out whatever else. So I made some joke about that. 10 minutes later, I'm sitting there watching one of the other speakers, just enjoying being a part of your conference. And the young lady comes and she puts a shrimp cocktail in front of me. Like, just, just me. Like, nobody else. And I'm like, what is this? And she says, well, you ask? And she, she shrugs with a smile on her face saying, you ask for it and we deliver. And I'm like, and I was embarrassed. I was like, I was kidding. She goes, we don't kid around here. If you, <laughs> if you want it, you get it. So I asked you about it later. And what I didn't realize was there was a team of people who were literally being dispatched. Somebody needs this, they go do it. They find it and they find any way to do it. And so what I found- There's is always someone on the road in a car. So someone broke their reading glasses, you know, go get a pair of reading glasses. Someone needs, you know, a, a shrimp, uh, you know, go get shrimp. Like, you know, we, we always have someone that says, yeah, I want a, a whiskey and totally think, and they, we show up with, you know, that whiskey and you know, whatever they, and, they, they want. But uh, most organizations, John, think that, that a great customer service, customer experience is in the grocery store. Instead of pointing, they take them there, which is great. I, I, I agree. That's great. But it's so, but it's so basic compared to what you do. So here's the other part that, that I still laugh about. And I tell this story, I tell this to others as well is what I didn't realize was that in the months leading up to the event, your staff reached out to my brilliant assistant and business manager, Tiffany. Tiffany. Said, what, is, what is Dave like? And, and she was like, asking me, what do you, I'm like, I don't know. I like Coke Zero and I like M&Ms or something. So I get to my hotel and there's a bag with all these things that I like, which I thought was really, really nice. 
But what I didn't realize was that somebody else there said, oh, what, you know, what are we like? We like Guns N' Roses or something. I think it was that. And so we're sitting at the table and I'm sitting with my shrimp cocktail. And one of the <laughs> other young women there, who was the, the wife of one of your speakers, um, apparently you guys got them tickets to go see the concert. They had like the night before they had front row tickets to go see this incredible band. So now you're kicking yourself you only ordered shrimp yes. cocktail. No, no, I was kicking myself that I said I liked M&Ms. <laughs> but, but here's- yeah, and So that wasn't a speaker thing. We would have done that for anyone, right? right? But, but tell yeah. me more about that. I'm, I'm gonna shut up for a minute. I want you to talk to me about your thought process, the why, the how this, how does it manifest itself in terms of your behavior? And then in terms of, of memorability and shareability, how do you manifest that within your organization? What's the conversation with your team? And then how do you also do that with the clients that you work for? Yeah, so it all starts, you know, on, on the type of person that we want to attract. Um, we understand, and, and this is, uh, you know, the foundation of what we teach our clients is that uh, the 90 5% and I'm probably low, won't have the service aptitude that we need them to have, any company needs them to have. Right. Um, because your, our service aptitude is, is basically from our life experiences. And typically, you know, we didn't grow up driving a Mercedes Benz when we try, turned 16, flying first class our whole life growing up, um, staying at five-star resorts. But the moment we finished school and we got our first, you know, jobs, we were expected to give that type of an experience. And that's just not fair. It's not realistic. I don't want my, um, you know, customer facing employees to give, um, to go by the golden rule, right? You know, my, my son who just graduated from college, if you hired him, you know, today and said, Johnny, I want you to greet our customers the way you like to be greeted. Oh, you know, he'd be like, dude, what's up? And yeah, have a fist bump on yeah. him. Yeah, and you'd have to probably, you know, go get him a belt because his pants are sagging lower than they need to be, uh, you know. But that's the world he's coming from right now. But you give him, you know, two weeks, two months, whatever it is of, 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 of great soft skill training, and he, like, like the vast majority of people, can be rock stars. So we have to realize as leaders that, you know, we, it's our job. It's not our employee's responsibility of high service aptitude. It's ours to train them like that. So, you know, we start changing their DNA and we start teaching them that the standard is so high. And it starts with the experience we give them. So, you know, orientation is, is similar to what you experience that we will know, you know, their Ford, which is F-O-R-D, which stands for Family, Occupation, Recreation, and Dream. We will know that they like, you know, uh, uh, Swedish fish candy or whatever. And we will just, you know, have that experience with them. So they start are blown away, you know, kind of like you were and say, yeah, how did that make you feel? And, and, you know, get the reaction that you just gave. Well, that's what you need to do to the customer. And so, you know, some of the other things is to create compassion and empathy, um, which is really hard because we all get numb to whatever we're doing. Like right. you said, you know, me and you today, we have, you know, back-to-back-to-back-to-back uh, -to -back -to -back -to -back calls with clients and, and people. And, you know, I, I shouldn't be looking at my 1030 conference calls, a 1030 conference call. I have to understand that that is, you know, Alicia, who's the customer experience officer at, you know, whatever company. And she has a lot on her plate. 
And, you know, she's being managed by someone who the return on investment and her results and their NPS and all, and I got to know that. And Nicole has to know that. We all have to know that. So what we do is, is we, you know, for us and for our clients is we create a day in the life of our customers from, you know, the speaker, what he's going through in order to get here and that he has to, you know, as another place, but everyone, whoever it is in the salon industry, you know, it's not a 5.30 haircut. It's a woman They had to get up at 5.30 this morning yep. to yep. get a workout in before she got her kids up and make lunches and breakfast and gets them off to school. And then she had to deal with her day and her customers and her bosses. And she finally pulls into John Roberts Spa, this oasis, her, her perception it's going to be an oasis, that costs $150 that her husband's going to give her a hard time about spending. Now, you know, we can't look at her as a 5.30 haircut. We have to look at her as, you know, a woman that's dying for an escape and wants some help with her self-esteem. And, you know, we all struggle with that of like next, next. And right. So, well, and you know who's, who's really good at this is, is of course, Chick-fil-A. And wow. for, for those who have seen that and video, you can YouTube it and, and look at it online, it, that, that internal training video. Every life has a story. Every life has a story. And, and have it, Kleenex, have Kleenex next oh. year. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I used snippets of that in my presentation as well. And it is, it is so powerful because it's, it's their story as well. And, and so, but let me ask you this. There are those who are listening or watching right now or thinking to themselves, I can't, how do I know everybody? Um, sometimes I can't, but we can certainly, we can look at profiles. I mean, I work with my audiences to create profiles for different people. Give them a name, give them an occupation. Tell me about their day. And what are the specific things that they would love and, and, and hate and frustrated? And what are the other choices? We can do it on, a, on a, a fairly broad basis that can really help us drive the kinds of experiences that we might craft, envision and craft and deliver for them as well. Absolutely. And it is depending on the model, right? If, if we have appointments and a database, we can cheat and say, oh, I'm talking to David and, and he's from Colorado and he has a daughter in Vegas and he has a daughter in Arizona. And I, I, God, I don't know. One of the biggest mysteries is he has an incredible, beautiful fiance that just I'll never understand. Clearly out of my league. <laughs> Um, but you should have notes on that stuff, right? right. You know, Non-creepy notes. Um, and that goes back to the Ford, F-O-R-D, and, and, and family, occupation, recreation, and dreams. And it's everyone's job to collect that. And then anytime, you know, you're about to have a call, you, you visit that. And it's not a transaction. It's not like, come on, David, we got to be chop, chop. It's, you know, you, you, you recognize it. If, right. if you don't have that luxury and you're in the retail business, you're at a Chick-fil-A a Starbucks where they don't have appointments. They don't have a database. Right. It's about still making a connection. I call it the five E's and the five E's take less than five seconds to do. The first three take one second to do eye contact, enthusiastic, greet ear to ear smile. Right. So if I say, you know, David, right. I just did all three E's right there. And then engage. It's about you, not me. It's about your right. day. It's about why are you dressed up? Why do you have a tie on? Do you have a big meeting? You know, do you have a, you know, a, a hot date, whatever that may be, and then educate. So eye contact, enthusiastic, greet, ear to ear, smile, engage, and educate. Every time you deal with someone, you know, uh, you, you should walk away saying, there is no one smarter at their job than she was, than he is. 
And so, you know, and, and you make a connection. So I might not know David. David might be the first time he's ever walking in, but you make a connection and you say something positive. I love those glasses. I, I you know, that, that's, a, that's a, a great tie. Right. And if I can't find anything to compliment, I'll just say, I hope you enjoy the unseasonably warm weather you're having. So anyone right. listening, if I've ever said that, I apologize. I just couldn't find anything. But, but the key is, isn't that the key? Um, to go through this scenario, go through these, these um, encounters in your mind, in practice, in training prior to that. It doesn't, if, for some people it comes very naturally. Some of us are very gregarious. We, we've got enough repartee or game or whatever you want to call it that we can engage. Other people don't, but with, to, to create that culture within an organization, this takes practice. It you takes don't have practice. to know. So, so to that example, not everyone's like us, Right. But if they want to work in, you know, our type of business, anyone that's, you know, uh, customer facing, they got to they got to be able to bring it. So we do a role play um, that. All right. So, you know, we get two people up at orientation and I say, David, this is Samantha, your best friend from high school. You haven't seen her since high school. You, you two knew, got in trouble together. You were in the principal's office together. You could probably neither of you could run for uh political office because the other person has the baggage, which today would only help me get it. We'll let that go, yeah, got it. <laughs> but anyway, so David, you see her at, at Hilton Head, you see her at the mall, wherever you see her for the first time in, in over 20 years, what's that like? And, and every time it's the same, you know, double take, Samantha, is that you? And you come oh, in, yeah. and you know, I say, that's how you should be greeting every customer on the phone, face to face. And, 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 and so the, the expression you should have, not the words, but when you see someone is, is there you are, right? When you popped up on the Zoom video, it was like, David, there you are. And it was genuine and it becomes genuine. But, you know, there you are is such a great feeling. Like, David, of all the people I was speaking with, when I saw that you were on my, you know, schedule today, I was so pumped to make a connection. Right. How are you? How are you looking at our experience today versus, oh, David, there you are. Come on back. Come on back. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Next one. Right. But doesn't it become a self-fulfilling prophecy as well for those? You feel better. Absolutely. And those and there's a lot of pop psychology stuff. And you start the day and you look in the mirror and say, this is going to be a great day. You're a winner or whatever that crap is. But the reality is when you smile at people, they smile back. It's the old, what's that old story about the warm fuzzies and the cold pricklies and everything else, right? And you, you give enough away and, and it comes back. And you want to you have your day, if you want to have your day made, make someone else's day. Because I always say, that, you know, there's a great book, Life is a Daymaker by a friend of mine, David Wagner. And he, he, he talks about paying the guy's toll behind you, right? Yeah. You'll never meet. I hate that story because I read it to my sons and it's cost me like $200, right? right? But, you know, you make someone's day. Who goes to bed at the night feeling the best? The day maker, right? Right. right. And if you create a culture, like you don't think my staff that gave you, you know, shrimp cocktail, she felt better than you did. Oh, I, I know it. And that was, and you could see it. There was just, they right. loved She didn't have the to go ask permission and, and say, is there any chance? And can I get a hold of John? When you told me that story, and I was, I was like, "Oh, that's." I'm glad we did that, right? I didn't know. Oh my gosh, it was, it was hilarious. Well, I'll give you another example. So I was in Singapore, staying at I think it was called the Shangri-La Hotel, and everywhere I went, 
people say, I mean, the restaurant, the front desk, Mr. Avern, welcome back. Thank you, Mr. Avern, like constantly. And I finally asked the, the, um, the uh, hostess at the restaurant in there, because I went down there for breakfast every day. And I said, honestly, how do you remember my name with as many people? And she says, oh, it's just our job to know. I said, no, honestly, tell yeah, me. Right. She says, your picture and your bio and everything is in the break room because they knew you were coming and they knew you were a VIP. And of course, you know, everywhere we go in the world, we're, we're a celebrity, we're a VIP at home. It's like, Hey, Mr. Big Shot, take out the trash. Right. But they, somebody had thought that I was going to be somebody important, but they said they do it for most everybody. And they put their face, they look them all up online. They create a small bio, they have their name. So everybody has to memorize. And I thought, what a wonderful internal policy. I had that happen in a resort in Mexico as well. And, and I came in, I checked in the front desk, the entire staff came, they want to take a picture and they held up my book and asked me if I would sign it for their team. Like they had already bought it two weeks before. That's awesome. Isn't that a wonderful example of yeah. it? And, yeah. and, I like, and I like how you, 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 you differentiate saying in those transactional kinds of retail environments, we can't know everybody, but we can, right? We don't have to know their specific story, but we recognize that they have a story and they have a life and we don't, they, we don't want them to treat us like they want to be treated. If they're a 16-year-old boy, if they're a 21-year-old young woman, they don't want to be treated like we are. I'm the disheveled 55-year-old man who just got off a plane. I'm dealing with daddy guilt. My kids are texting that they're starving. I'm exhausted. I've got digestive issues. You and forgot I, to sign that permission slip. Oh, you could go to the, uh, you know, the school. Right, right. Um, and so I'm harried. I'm exhausted. I, I don't I'm, know that personally. I just know. I'm, I just, right. you know. No, you've never been there. None of that as well. Hey, listen, I, I don't want to, we all have stuff back to back. I could talk to you every day and you know what? I might find a way to. Let's, let's do it, man. Let's make, just make this make a, daily, anyway. a daily podcast. This, or even just our conversation between us because I got a you know I got a ton of questions for you I and mean, then we can go we'll do that okay so listen before we finish um, all of our podcasts here at the very visible business I always have a lightning round so here's the lightning round quick questions quick answers what's the most outrageous thing you have ever done to thrill a client of yours Wow you know uh, uh, I don't know if <laughs> It's my team. I'm trying to think what I have Even done. For your but, team. For anybody yeah. else on your team, what have you guys done that made somebody go, really? <laughs> really? Well, you this know, we were, I, I was speaking in Washington, D.C. I get there and, and you know, the, the CEO asked, you know, um, where the books were. And I'm like, you know, what books? And, you know, I just thought I didn't know about it. And so um, I, 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 you know, get a hold of my uh, uh, um, office and say, did they order books? And they said, no. I'm like, well, I think we screwed up. Well, his assistant came, come over and says, it's not your fault. I forgot to order the books. And so she had to go, you know, tell him. And, you know, I said, well, let's hold on. Let's see what we can do. So, so uh, next thing I know, by three o'clock in the afternoon, um, they showed up with, you know, a couple hundred books. Uh, they flew to Washington, D.C., um, with a couple hundred books. I, I, like, I, I love that. I thought that was really cool. We didn't want the assistant to get in trouble. Oh, my God. Outstanding. That's great. Who's your dream client? Who have you not worked with that's saying, I would love to work with, with, this, company, with this person? Question. Um, you know, I, so, so I, yeah, I've been fortunate to like, work with Starbucks. That was probably my dream client. Um, but I didn't get to meet Howard Schultz and he's my, he's the guy that if you can have lunch with anyone, um, yeah, I, I want to have lunch with him. I mean, he, I just, I just idolize 
you know, everything he stands for as a leader and as a person. And, and uh, you know, so I don't know if I have a dream client. I'd love to work with, you know, the Apples and the Disneys of the world if I ever could or Virgin Airlines. But I think, uh, you know, Howard Schultz, just to get him, you know, to have, have his ear for 30 minutes and hopefully not use his ear, but listen to him. Well, John, I will tell you that uh, we have a little surprise for you. If you will look to your right, coming through the door right now, it's Howard Schultz. <laughs> See, that's what that you would do. Cool. That's that what would you cool. would do with somebody else. Because <laughs> that's how good you are. That your experiences are just off the charts. One last question. How great is love the second time around? Awesome. Awesome. It was great both times. Uh, but uh, I'm very fortunate, like you, um, to have found a, a uh, partner, woman that, that just, she makes me a better human being in every sense. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm just, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm so I want lucky. to ask you that because we both have that in common. We are both very lucky men who have both outkicked our coverage. Just saying. For those of you, for those who are looking to get uh, in touch with you, learn more about the DeJulius Group, the consulting that you do, hire you as a phenomenal speaker. Look him up, Don, sorry, John DeJulius. Um, look him up online as well, and you can see video of the work that he does on stage. Incredibly engaging, a great speaker, and I say that from one speaker to another. For people who want to get in touch with you, where do they go online? Uh, just the DeJulius group, uh, .com, uh, the DeJulius group .com. Spell, spell that for them. Cause it's, it's something. I'm more excited about your book. Let's talk about your book. No, let's your let's book not. Out? There's plenty of, plenty of that. My, my book, uh, why customers leave and how to win them back should be out. Love that. Official date, April Love 1st. Your new book is called what? The Rev, uh, the relationship economy. Um, that says it come out to later in the year, but I like your book. Uh, you were, uh, nice enough to let me read an advanced copy and I couldn't put it down and it, it just, it's some brilliant stuff. So I appreciate well, you'll like that. I, I said something very nice about you and you'll see that when the book comes out April 1st as well. So spell to Julius, just, just because people are listening and, and it's not a common name. So people find you online. D I J U L I U S D D Julius group.com. Outstanding. Hey, a big thanks for my buddy John DeJulius here. Um, look him up. He does phenomenal work and is one of my uh, one of my heroes in this business and also a wonderful opportunity through our mutual work for us to get together and somebody who I didn't know before and I'm thrilled to know now. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, be sure to click below and subscribe to this. If you want to learn more about me, you can always go to visibilityinternational.com. And of course, this podcast, big thanks to the folks at C-Suite Radio. Uh, tune in every week. Look at some of the other episodes as well, and we will see you soon. For past and future episodes, be sure to subscribe at theveryvisiblebusiness.com. You can also learn more about David Averin's keynote speaking and consulting at visibilityinternational.com. Connect with us on social media and check out David Averin's latest book, Visibility Marketing at amazon.com. This has been the Very Visible Business Podcast with David Averin. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>